Hello and welcome to the Red Sector MotoGP podcast. Uh, this is a podcast about speedy motorcycles and it's just generally us rambling and giving our armchair an opinion about everything to do with MotoGP, which half of it is probably wrong, unless it's Bruno GP mentioning it and it's probably right. So, um, yeah, it's Josh here speaking. Matt what? is currently away. Um Busy doing something else, so it's just me and uh, Bono GP. How are you doing, Bono? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm quite happy. I, I seem to I, second episode now. First episode with Matt, I get a great compliment, and then second episode, I get told that everything I say is factual. So <laughs> just making my head yeah. even bigger. Well, I mean, <laughs> usually most things you say, you are like the encyclopedia uh, pedia of, of the three of us. I think the right yeah, word is nerd, but yeah, well. yeah, and I, I'll. But, uh, um, yeah, definitely. You're the one. If you go, if someone's going to know something, it's definitely going to be you. But um, yeah, so we thought we'd do this episode. Of course, it's a, a week break between, or it's it's, it's a week until uh, the Portimao Grand Prix. Uh, we've had a two week break, so we thought we might yeah. as well, you know, have a have a filler of an episode just just to cover some some recent news uh, articles. You know, any all the new news in there, um, and to just give an insight into Portimao for next week. Yeah, and obviously on that point as well, we will also be having a segment of this podcast where Matt will be doing a preview of Portimao. So anybody that's interested in that, you can wait until the end of the podcast. And Matt will still somehow manage to feature his way into this podcast, even if he's not available right this mm. second. So Matt will be involved at some point yes. at the end of this podcast. So he, yeah. has a, he has provided us with a few um, kind of insights into some of the things we're about to talk about, so we'll we'll mention we'll mention some of some of Matt's things when we come to it. But obviously, the main thing to discuss, yeah. I'd say, is obviously Mark Marquez the return. Yeah, the main. Well, I, I think it'd be wrong for me to say any other. The, the main man yes, is back. He is indeed. Isn't he? Is is uh, I keep seeing people put things up like you know, well, whilst the cat's been gone, the mice have been yeah. playing, and now the cat's come back. So. It, it it literally is that. I think a lot of riders now will be almost looking over mm. the shoulder now and how he does this week, well, this week coming, you know, if he gets, I think I read something that if he gets fifth place in Portimao, he'll be on the same points after three rounds that Mir was on after oh, three God. rounds last year. Um, <laughs> Which, when, if you tell that to MotoGP riders, they might be thinking, yeah. oh, um, oh dear. So, um, it, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. It's 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 kind of like I said last time. It's it's almost the unknown of knowing how he's going to come back. Like how good is he yeah, going to be? Yeah, definitely. I think. But I think we can. I'm going on the side of tempering expectations. I, I cannot imagine him coming back and just instantly winning because I think if if he does that, no. if he comes back, dominates, wins, and goes on to dominate the championship, then he's truly probably well, no doubt to me, probably the greatest rider that's ever been. To come back from a you know a year and not riding motorcycles with the injuries had, but I don't think that's yeah. going to happen personally. I think there's a fine line with this because I think in order for him to be at the top when he comes back, I mean anyway he's going to have to push mm-hmm. to the limit. But especially now with the the rust, as so to speak, with with not riding for so long and pushing to that limit, having not rode for what is yep, it nine months. That is a very, very, very thin mm. piece of ice he's going to be treading on because that could go one of two ways. Hopefully, and you know, I'm not a Mark Marquez 
big, big fan. I love the guy, but with my Yamaha side, I don't want to see him win this weekend come in. But um, you know, I don't I don't wish the guy any bad, but at the same time, is he gonna is he gonna push the limit? Is he gonna be nice and steady and think I'll take whatever comes to me, or is he gonna push and is he gonna keep treading and treading and treading to the point where you know it, it might it might go bad. You never know. But um yeah, it, it's an interesting one because of the unknown. I think that's the biggest thing with it. But I, I would agree with you. I don't think he's gonna come back and just be flying from the off. I can't see it myself. Yeah, um because like you said of how long he's been out and due to his injury, he, he probably knows that he can't just he can't go, you know, push it to the limit really because if he has another accident like he did in Jerez, that could be it. There could be no comeback after that. Um, I think as well, he's going to be he's he's not going to be getting on the same machine as he had last year. I think that Honda's changed somewhat. I can imagine. I think it's going to be yeah, similar. similar. I can imagine like Repsol Honda haven't gone to much lengths to to change a lot due to the fact that they were hoping he would be back soon. So. It, but it is still going to be slightly different to last year, and he's going to need to adapt and get used to that. Yeah. It, again, another interesting one with Honda is, uh, me personally, I don't think they will have changed it that much, but it is a case of if they have changed anything, is that going to still suit mm. Mark, or is it going to be more neutral? Well, I don't was know. There, any, but... there wasn't really much in terms of regulation changes, was there, between in the Season. No, the only yeah, the only regulation they kind of brought in was the mm. engine freeze, wasn't it? They 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 didn't allow any team to kind of because that's why everyone is effectively running twenty twenty yeah. engines. So you know that that's why the aero side of things have changed with like Ducati and stuff like that. But if Honda have done anything aerodynamically, is that going to be to Mark's favouring, or is that mm. going to be more neutral for the other riders that can't ride like Mark that are on Honda? Yeah. I think, if anything, it was a wake-up call to Repsol Honda in the sense that they mm-hmm. they realised that they, they have been putting all their eggs in one basket with with Marquez. So are they going to yeah. now start you know, catering that's you know the the bike to a second rider as well? Um, so it might not be as much to Marquez's style as it as it was previously. But it, I mean, it's all theories in at the moment. We don't know until until the day of the races how how we'll perform again. I think everyone's got too much expectation to believe that he's going to be fighting for a podium or a win, but it's MotoGP and anything can happen. And if let's face it, if anyone's going to come back from that time off, it's exactly. going to be him. Yeah. I, I think having seen the guy do what he's done in the last, how many years has it been now? Like yeah. seven or eight years has been in MotoGP, like seven years in the top flight. You would say that if, if there is any guy that can, it's yeah. him. No doubt. Like, and I, I say that with no cap of any other rider on. That that if there is any rider in that paddock that can have nine months off a bike and come back and do the best possible out of anyone, it would mm. be Mark. So, where the best possible lies? Is it a top three? A top five? Is it a top ten? Is it just riding round to just get the feeling back? I don't know, but I can't see. And Mark Marquez settling, so to speak, to ride around. I can't see it. I, I think he'll know his limit and he'll just tread lightly on that limit and kind of get the feeling back, ready for, I think, Hareth the following round and then go hell for yeah. leather. I think 
Marquez, realistically, I can see Marquez aiming for a points finish. And that will be... The realistic side of me thinks that he's he will be aiming for a points finish. And uh, that's that's will be... Anything more than that will be amazing. Um, yeah, well, I think Matt's main concern with that was that he doesn't want him to come back and kind of take the same amount of risk and almost take his yeah. time with it. But I I mean you say points, but I might be being a bit optimistic with this, but I think Mark will get a top eight finish. Mm. That is my prediction. Well I mean it, I think mm. uh, it's it again it's just it's again. it's very hard. I think if you if you were to guess he's gonna finish yeah. last or he's gonna finish Fifth, I think you know you're not you're not a million miles away. It's hard. It's it's very hard it to predict. Another thing it's very exciting to see him yeah. back. Either way, very exciting. To it see is him back. another thing we are forgetting. Another factor is we're going to Portimao, and every nearly every rider's had a I think or every rider's well apart from the rookies they've well even the rookies actually they've been there last year they've been around Portimao, and yeah, Marquez hasn't. Good point. Very so, good point. That surely that'll play a little part in in how this plays out. Yeah, I mean he has been on the um, RC two one three VS, the kind of like road bike version of his mm. his GP bike around Portimao. How much he was pushing or anything like that, I don't quite know. There was no kind of data mm. or statistic that came out from that. Um, but having said that, I think Marquez again is one of them that. He's shown in the last few years, whatever track you put him on, it it doesn't take much to kind of adapt to his style. No, he kind of makes the track his own. Even tracks like in the past, you would look at kind of eras, if you like, of Stoner and Rossi and Lorenzo. And a track like, let's say, Chang is not to the style of a typical Rossi track. If you put that track in like the 2004-05 kind of time when Rossi was dominating... Yeah. It wouldn't really be his style, and it would kind of be a good result to get a podium. Whereas we've seen the last few years that put Mark on a dirt track, and he, he'll somehow manage to come up trumps and still win. Yeah. Like the guy adapts so well in uncomfortable environments. So I think there is an element of that where people have had the experience of going around Portimao. But as we did mention off air a few days ago. It's interesting because everyone's been around Portimao, but nobody's been around Portimao at this time of yeah, year in these exactly. conditions. Yeah, that's right. Because last year we did it in November, yeah. I think it was. Uh, and it was kind of late on, not late in the evening, but late for a GP race. Um, and obviously the conditions are completely different. And as I was saying the other day, Aprilia have actually tested around there. Official Aprilia, yeah. not... Like everybody else got the road bikes and everything, they could have set amount of concessions and stuff. Like they weren't allowed the concessions, so to speak. But Aprilia have officially tested around Portimao since. Mm. So, as we did say the other day, Aprilia are probably going to look at Portimao as this is our chance to maybe get a good result. Yeah, they're they're going to be thinking if it's a squandered opportunity if they don't get a, a good result. At- a, a place yeah. of, of being able to actually test that. Um, yeah, I mean, if if you're the only guys to test around a track that you are going to go to three three races in, mm. where production is still, you know, very early stages this year with having the engine freezes, everyone's trying to 
you know, pinch an inch everywhere, on, yeah. whether it be an exhaust, whether it be a new rear tire that they're going to put in, like with KTM or a front tire or whatever. Like, and if you've tested around a track that you're going to go to, you are very much in front. They've got to really take this coming weekend, like by the horn, so to speak. Haven't yeah, they? brilliant. They have. Dave. It's a big, big weekend for it them. Is. Massively, um, and well, that kind of moot ties in with us talking about Portimao and uh, looking forward to next week um, and and mm-hmm. kind of going over that track and how it compares to last year, last November, when it was different conditions and how we think the current bikes are going to perform there and who's going to be kind of the ones to watch. So do you want to kind of start us off on that? Um, yeah, I think we said last week in the podcast that I think that KTM have now got to show their potential at a track that they're the only guys to win around for him. Well, yes, they've got a guy on it that knows that track inside and out, back to front, but he still won. Like the guy, take nothing away from him. Miguel Oliveira still won there last year. <clears throat> so I think KTM have really got to up their game this coming week. And I think they're the kind of manufacturer to look out for out of everybody. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Ducati and Yamaha both got a podium there with Morbidelli and Miller last mm. year. But like we've just been saying, you've now got Marquez back on a Honda, which you don't know if he is going to challenge for a, a podium. But Honda are now going to look at this coming weekend as, okay, now our season has yeah. really started because we've got both of our guys back on yeah. it. Um, and Yamaha are so much further in front than they were last year anyway. So it's hard to call this time around at Portimao. But KTM are definitely the ones to watch in how are they going to show their their colours, their essential, basically. Mm. Um, not essential, their potential. Excuse my uh, English. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, I think it's KTM's time to shine, I would say, out of everybody in order to prove what they've done. How have they improved from last year? Yeah, um, I, I do think they are the dark horse. Or, or there's pressure on them to show what this bike is capable of. They're going from a, a track that we know they're not they're not good around in Qatar, and now that it's like a baptism of fire, really, or because mm. the or you know from the fire frying pan into the fire, because the, now they're going to a track that they won at last year, and there's a lot of expectation from to you know show the two true colours, um, and it, it's going to be difficult. I mean, like I said, when Mark is returning, I'm looking now when. Uh, Nakagami finished fifth last year on the LCR Honda. So yeah. I don't know if that's that just shows Nakagami like that track, or is it more the Honda the Honda is suited to that track? And Stefan Bradl finished seventh last year as well. Yeah, I th- I think last year as well is is another good thing to note that Nakagami in the last four or five races picked up a lot of momentum mm. on that twenty twenty bike. You know, we put it on pole at Aragon. Yeah. Crashed out, but I mean he looked very good mm. towards the tail end of last year. He missed out on a podium at Valencia. He's finished fifth, did you say, at Portimao yeah, last fifth, year? Three, I mean, three Hondas finishing in the top 10 at Portimao. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think they've struggled early this year with, with Qatar and whatnot. But, um, yeah, Hondas, Hondas are a difficult one to call. But also last year, Paul on the KTM finished fourth as well as winning yeah. at Portimao, a, a, a KTM that wasn't the guy 
Portuguese guy around the track that he loves yeah. and knows so well. He was meant to win. A KTM was still competitive, mm. um, which is an interesting one to bring up as well. So, um, yeah, Port Mile is so different as well because it's still brand new. It's not like a track they've been going around for years. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's, it's still before. very raw. Yeah, we haven't got much much to go off. Uh, you know, much... it's a brilliant track though. I do really like Portimao. Really do like it. It's it's very unique. Mm. And that you know, uh, the fact it's just been resurfaced as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never seen a track so like changing element. Like, it, it, yeah, it, I love the one corner. Of it. It's yeah, one corner. It's like. 50 meters high then it's down like another 20 meters and then back up and yeah it's it's a very good track i really do like poimo i think it's a complete different challenge to most yeah, people that is have been you know around most of the other tracks that maybe have some similarities in other different tracks but poimo is very very unique there's not many tracks like it mm. it's um i'm just looking at the qualifier now from last year and across Oliveira did top it with a, a 138.892 and he, I didn't realize it was this close. He beat obviously he beat Morbidelli. Um, it was in within I think four hundredths of, of a second. Yeah. Um, and then it was one tenth back was Jack Miller, um, and uh, that was kind of nearly how it finished the race, wasn't it? Apart from Morbidelli and Jack Miller swap places. Yeah, I mean it's it's so weird that we bring those three up with Oliveira, Morbidelli, Miller. And for the expectation that we would have set for those three from from the last round, them all finishing on the podium Mm. and the first two rounds, different track, I know, but, you know, the KTM's been nowhere at Qatar. Morbid Delhi and, well, Patronus have been nowhere at Qatar. And Jack Miller, to say he's got two ninth places in the first two rounds is, you would have never thought it, would you? So um, those three have got very big weekends all funnily enough, having known that they can go well around there last year and the season starts, or the start of the season that they've all had, those three will be three to look out for, I think. Yeah, definitely. Because one, I mean, we're not going to expect to see that that result again, you know, Oliveira, Morbidelli, Miller being the top three in qualifying. No. So it, it is going to be interesting because that is three podium positions with that's going to have three different people on it if we're to go by the results of Qatar and yeah. two Qatar races. I mean, it's a little bit like what Matt said in that he's kind of interested to see the teams that didn't do so well last year at Portimao, how mm. they're going to do this year. So, I mean, looking at the race last year, let me just get that up. The teams that performed were, I mean, Yamaha, other than Morbidelli, Yamaha were miles off last year. Yeah, uh, as well as that, that was a part of the downfall with Quattararo. He just drops, didn't he, towards the end of the last year? Yeah. Um, Rins finished in fifteenth, which is crazy to say. Quattararo's in fourteenth. You've got Rossi in twelfth and Vinales in eleventh. Mm. You know, like Quattararo, Rossi, Vinales all outside the top ten. That yeah. is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And it's almost I mean, like roles reversed at the moment. Yeah, yeah, because now now you've got Quattararo and Vinales winning, and you've got Morbidelli who finished on the podium last year, whereas now it's like Morbidelli's at the back. <laughs> yeah, crazy. And I'm looking who DNF'd in the race last year, so we have Savadori DNF'd. I, ca- I cannot remember actually how 
how these all DNF'd. I don't know if it was mechanical or if they fell. Um, but Joan Mir obviously didn't finish the race, neither did Bang Nine. I think uh, Mir had a, I think he had a, um, a technical difficulty, did he? Mm. I, I think, think it, he did. Yeah, he'd run the championship as well by then, so I don't think he was too fussed. Um, I seem to think he did. I, I don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure he had a. He was the only one that had a technical fault. I think Brad Binder and Savadori both fell off. Mm. Um, yeah, and then like I said, with Bagnaya uh, didn't finish, and neither did Brad Binder. Um, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see. Follow follow the ones who didn't finish this uh, last race and see if they can you know finish it this race, especially Joan Mir. Well, I'm back now yeah. because they'll have a lot of a lot of uh, weight on the shoulders to actually pull out a good result. Yeah, I mean the two names you mentioned there, I find quite interesting are Binder and Bagnaya because Bagnaya last year being Pramac, he he's not finished the first lap and his mm. teammates on the podium. Yeah, and Binder, who's crashed out, his now teammate won the race there last year mm. on effectively the same bike on a KTM. So those two will know. That the bikes they're both still on, they're both still on Ducati and KTM. They all know that those bikes are competitive around Portimao. Yeah, like, yeah, different conditions and you know, blah blah blah, that we covered. They'll be looking to make a bit of a point of themselves on knowing that that bike that they're on is competitive and showing that because again, Bagnai has had a couple of good results. It's time for him to step up now and show why he's in that mm. factory team. So, yeah. yeah, it is so interesting because again, Marquez, we don't know. Portimao, different conditions, different time of year. We don't know. It's very hard to call. It is. Do you want to take a quick stab at a, kind of a lap time? Do you, the, like the pole, qualifying pole position? Do you think it's going to be a, a few seconds quicker than... I think it's um, going to be quicker, yeah. Than I Oliveira's think... lap time? So Oliveira finished last year with a 138.892. Yep. I think this year they will go around for about a 138.4. I think mm. they'll be able to knock four tenths or so off. Mm. Interesting. Just with the mainly with experience, I think, not because of conditions as such. Yeah. Just having been around the place a bit more and whatnot. Um but yeah, I, that is such a hard question to even answer. Yeah, but I, it is, um, it is. That, that'll be my guess. I think a one thirty eight point four will be my uh, yeah, qualifying I prediction. I'm going to play it safe and keep it in the one thirty eights, but I'd probably be less safe than you. I'm going to go under point twos, maybe into the point one. Even. I mean, I'd rather it be more towards the the earlier stages, so they are they are even quicker in that mm. sense. But yeah, it's it's hard to predict. But it's a good, it it's a good question, but. Um, we don't know what the weather's going to be next next week at the Portugal, to be fair. Yeah, um, it's hard if to it's tell. Raining, then we're going to be way off. <laughs> yeah, if it's raining, it's going to be like 1 minute 45 <laughs> or something, 46. But yeah, Portimao, can't wait to go there again. Great track. Mm. Everything about it, it's fantastic. Yeah. I just really wish there was a crowd there, but it is what it yeah. is. It's um, a shame, but I think we'll get some good racing this, this time around. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling, I don't know, again, another sound of that, but I'm dark, but I'm feeling like a a quarter hour of Vinales duel for the for the win. Really? That would, that would be, well, that would be interesting. I'd like to see that, you know, two winners, just based off like the the, peop- the two who've won the last two races or the first two races. 
Um, that would be interesting. But again, we don't know what's going to happen. There's <laughs> probably Marquez will just come through and win by like five seconds. So yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're confident with Yamaha. I mean, it's hard not to be with how they've they've won both races, yeah. but. Well, yeah, this time I, it, last it's season, like, yeah, yeah, it, that's the thing. This time last season, it's like engine oh, but, problems. And yeah. last time yeah. at Portimao, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, don't know how they're going to yeah. go. But I mean, I think Quattararo and Vignales will be a lot better than what they were last Definitely. year. I don't think they'll be 15th and 11th or however they finish 14th and 11th. I think they'll be a bit better off than that. But we never know. Yeah. We never know how it's going to turn out. But it's a good, good prediction that. Hmm. We'll have to see. Um, so moving on again um, to another track, track related, but not not something set in truly set in stone. Is the news about the uh, track in Indonesia? Yeah, yeah. So for anybody listening that doesn't know, there is a new track being built in Indonesia with there being a massive following, yes. massive following Absolutely. in Indonesia for MotoGP. Um. And Dorna, the regulating body for MotoGP, have been down to check it and everything and, you know, making sure everything's kind of going as planned. And essentially, the situation that we're in at the minute is we're kind of waiting for what seems to be the UN to kind of pass things on mm. with Indonesia because of some kind of human rights thing going on. I don't know the ins and outs of it entirely. Um, I don't want to make any false accusations or anything like that, but... If it does go ahead, it looks a very, very good complex that they're building. Yeah, it does look interesting. I'm seeing like a an artist depiction of it here, and it looks, it does look. I'm I'm saying there's a lot of angles to it. Um, it looks quite like jaggedy, quite edgy. Mm. I mean, but, there's a hotel in the middle of it. I yeah, don't know if you know, there's like a full hotel yeah, resort going on. There. There. Yeah, it does look quite nice. Um, a little bay next to it. If if that's how it looks from the artist's impression, it. It's going to be a beautiful track to go around. Yeah. Elevation-wise, from that, I can't tell if there's any elevation in it. I but don't I, hope there yeah. is. I don't think there's much. But it's got a higher pin bend. But I, I don't know if it's a left, if it's a right-hand corner at the beginning or a left-hand corner. Yeah, it, it the last corner. If as you're looking at it, I'm not sure what angle you're looking at it from. Oh yeah. The last corner is the one where you've kind of got, you know, the Argentina track where you've got that long, long right-hand yeah, and it flips like a, back on the left. Yeah. That's the last it's couple very, of corners. Argentina-esque, yeah. Yeah, that's the last couple of corners. So if you can work it from there, then, mm. you know, that's yeah, straight as they off. start finish. Mm. But, well, yeah, we will have to see. They're trying, they are thinking of, or they're hoping they can get a, a World Superbike round in, mm. in November this year. Yeah, that would be that would be good. I mean, they've, they've kind of done that with Portimao. Not, it wasn't really pre-planned, but World Superbikes have been to Portimao before um, MotoGP. So it was kind of, good that they did so that they can see you know it's safe enough for bikes and everything like so that they can actually use it when covid came around and they didn't have the tracks it was good to kind of fall back onto portimao and now we know portimao is a great track and everybody mm. wants it to stay so yeah if world superbikes go there in november and it turns out to be a fantastic track even though it is already planned to be for gp it'll be good to see that everything works and everything's as planned, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But essentially what they're trying to do is is make it as friendly as possible in terms of when it's not being used as a track, it's mm. the streets of Indonesia and still being able to use the hotel and whatnot, I think. Yeah, um, definitely. Which, again, kind of crosses 
back into this whole human rights side of it but it's a little yeah. bit messy with it's, it's not messy as such but it, it's kind of in the air let's say with donna and the un and some regulating bodies it, it's a bit bit confusing to the public but beside that track looks great the um, the construction that they're doing now is quite heavy. Like they're doing a hell of a lot at the minute. Mm. Um, there was there was talk that they're trying to get a a test for MotoGP at, mm. at the track later this year. Um, a little bit like the Kimi year. Ring one where they did yeah, the Kimi uh, Ring. Yeah. yeah, and then like around hopefully around next year, um, in March time I think by the sounds of it. But we'll see. But again the they have to have a race in Indonesia because of how popular yeah. it is. Like you said, it's such a, a huge opportunity. And I think it, it it's kind of, it, it baffles me that it's taken this long for them to, hmm. to get a track yeah. in Indonesia. But yeah, the, fo- uh, the following, if for anybody that, I don't know people that are listening, if anybody is kind of new to MotoGP and doesn't really know too much about like, where the fan bases are mainly based, like with F1, it's mainly European with a bit of an American following with certain teams and stuff like that. But in MotoGP terms, the East Asia side of like MotoGP is huge, is absolutely massive. Like in Thailand, in Malaysia and in Indonesia, the following is gigantic. Those guys are crazy for bikes, mainly mm-hmm. because of in those said countries bikes are a big um way of traveling anyway day to day so bikes are pretty popular anyway um yeah so that is kind of why and yeah it's it's weird isn't it that it's taken so long with indonesia but if it does go ahead that place will sell out in minutes i assume yeah if it does go ahead i mean that's going to be an exciting few rounds because i'm guessing it'll be literally a whirlwind tour of you know Thailand down to Malaysia, then over to Indonesia, um, then down to like Phillip Island maybe. Yeah, I think how they'll do it, it is is they tend to go Japan, Phillip Island, and then kind of work their way back to Europe. So they kind of do like mm-hmm. a, a clockwise thing around. Yeah. So my best bet would be it would go Mategi, Phillip Island, then either Malaysia or Indonesia, and then to Valencia. Mm. Um, but yeah. It's um it's one of a few tracks that are supposedly being added, but that's the one that's the most advanced besides yeah. Kimi Ring. It's Kimi Ring in Indonesia sort of thing that are um the next next in line, so to speak, to the added yeah. to the calendar. So yeah, it came out this week that things are moving forward with it and things are looking good. So yeah, be an interesting one. Yeah, definitely. It will. So we'll have to see what happens with that. We'll keep a close eye on the developments. Um and then I think moving on to a couple of questions from uh, some fans on Twitter who, who sent sent some questions in. Um, I think a couple we've already covered, but there were, I think we had one, um, was it Joey who mentioned about the Ducati engine um, and it's kind of, it, the, you know, the, the advantage they have over, over the other engines. Yeah. Um, especially down the straights. Yeah, so essentially what Joey's question was, to the people that might not have seen it on Twitter, to our replies, which you can follow on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter. Send us any kind of questions you might want to uh, see us answer or anything. And Joey sent a question in asking, is it kind of fair that Ducati have such a power advantage over most of other people and should there be a, re- a regulation against it? Mm. Um, and my view on that is essentially 
there shouldn't be any regulation against it because what Ducati gain on the straights, they will never gain on the corners to like the inline four guys with to people that are new to GP. The Ducati, KTM, Aprilia and Honda run a V4 engine, which tends to be a lot quicker down the straights. And Suzuki and Yamaha run inline four engines, which around corners and on like tire management and stuff like that are a lot steadier ships, so to speak. Um, mm. So on that front, my opinion on that is is that Ducati will, you know, keep singing about their straight line speed, but as they kept saying last week with Jeremy Burgess, it's like you can build a bike for a straight, but there's more corners than straight. So yeah, um, I, I kind of agree with that. Really, uh, Yamaha and Suzuki will always be quicker around corners and smoother around corners, especially mid corner. Um, and Ducatis will always be quicker than them down the straight because mm. the inline four guys, Suzuki and Yamaha, have never been interested in top, top speed being the quickest ever. They've never, ever been interested in it. So mm. regulation-wise, I don't know about you, Josh, but I, I, I don't ever see that being a thing um, because of what they don't gain in corners, I guess. Yeah, I think it's, again, advantages, disadvantages. You either, you either prioritise straight line speed and acceleration, I guess, or you prioritise cornering speed um, and your agility in the corner. I mean, it, it, there is something to be said for the V4. Uh, looking here, there's some stats. It's V4-powered MotoGP bikes have won 44 of the last 50 MotoGP races. This was this was published, this article was before last season. Right. Um, so that's obviously changed. But again, and... The top the speed charts, forty-seven out of the last fifty races. So, yeah, again, it, it, you you would wonder is it is there, are there at any point a Yamaha or Suzuki who think you know what let's just go with a V four? I don't think so uh, personally. Or do you think they're going to keep that? The thing is as well that people might not necessarily understand is, especially in Japanese manufacturing, it's it is such a no go to just do things like off the cuff or go against mm. like their philosophies on how they go about things for Yamaha and Suzuki, just to flip the switch and go, let's go with a V4 or a Ducati to say, let's run inline four. It's not a case of, okay, let's just build an engine and that's it. Like they then have to go, their whole production line has to go the, op the opposite way. Do you know what I mean? Like they can't keep bringing out like, v4 panigales and stuff when the, the inline four it, it do you know what i mean they might but it's it's not it's just not done especially in japanese manufacturing they don't they don't really do that it's not like to go backwards yeah, yeah it's like when people say oh well the 2019 bike worked for morbidelli last year why did they not just give the 2019 bikes like like the bits and pieces to the 2020 bike guys like mm. for fabio maverick and rossi but they're not going to do that. They don't do that. Whether it's Honda, whether it's Yamaha, Suzuki, Japanese manufacturers do not like to go back. They always like to look forward and give you something new in that sense. So um, I think Yamaha will always stick to an inline. I think Suzuki will always stick to yeah. an inline. And I think Ducati and the rest of them, KTM, Aprilia, Honda, will always stick to a V4. Again, Ducati will never gain what... Oh, and the rest of the V4 guys will never be as quick round corners, and Yamaha will always and Suzuki will always be quicker round corners than 
than the V4 guys. But whether they'll bring a regulation in it or not, I, I don't know. I mean, as daft as it might sound, you wouldn't be surprised if something as daft as that did come in, but I personally can't see it. Yeah, um, I can't see it either. I think you made some good points. I think that, you know, the, the will never change. Uh, the, you know, the V4s will never change to an inline, inline will never change to V4s. And I think, again, because no single type of engine has a whole, an advantage in every single way, mm-hmm. it stops there being some kind of regulation yeah. in. Um, but I think the only other thing to discuss that we got in was about Yamaha's start devices um, and how they have problems with it. But yeah, um, on this one, it's probably going to be quite quick because I think we know Ducati are in the lead with it. Um, they've got a front and rear um, hole shot device, whereas I think Yamaha only have a rear one. And I think Suzuki are the only ones who don't even have anything launch control-wise at the moment. Um, on the whole shot front. But there is talk, again, on regulation side, there is talk of banning launch control as soon as Suzuki managed to to catch up and get it. Um, yeah, I mean... Which probably was music to Yamaha's yeah, ears. I think it was it was a weird one last year because when Ducati originally brought it in, they can't... I, for the life of me, I can't think of what they made up as an excuse. But it was it had to be deemed as something that wasn't for whole shotting, wasn't it? It had to be mm. deemed as something that was like, you know, like rider height or like because they do drop the height, don't they? They completely drop the yeah. height of the bike. Um, so there, I don't know what the regulation in depth is on that on that side of things. But on that, I think with Yamaha, I watched the. Did you watch the behind the scenes video of after the podium sort of thing that MotoGP uploaded on Twitter? I don't know if you watched it or not. Um. I think I might have done what was it? It was a, like oh, just was it, it was a... just uh, Fabio, uh, Jorge Martin, and Zarco just oh, yeah, chatting. Talking about yeah, yeah. and yeah. it was weird for me. Not weird as such, but it's it shows the importance of how bad the Yamaha riders just need that ride uh, the whole shot device. Yeah, because Fabio walks into the Yamaha garage, and he's just won a Grand Prix with his new team, yeah. first win he's ever had with that team, and it's like, okay, we're back, sort of thing. Like, that that monkey off his back, like you were saying. And the first thing he kind of says is like, thank you, thank you, thank you, works his way around the garage. And then he goes straight to um, one of the main Yamaha guys. I forget his name. I don't want to say his name wrong. And he says, front whole shot device. We just need to sort. And they kind of laugh it off. But the fact that that's his yeah. first thought when he gets back to the garage... Yeah. I think it's very well. Um, what's the right word to, or right way to put it? I think it's it's a well known fact, shall we say, in Yamaha internally, they need need to sort something out for that front for the front end, front and rear. Yeah, I think you know if they want to really mount a, a title challenge this season on both the you know manufacturer constructor and the uh, rider front. That's something they really do need is that mm-hmm. front front hole shot device. Um, but wh- I don't know how far away they are from from getting that. And especially Vinales, we know what Vinales is like with his starts. He needs all the help he can get, really. Um, so uh, you you do see these Yamahas at the moment. They're looking like the race pace is is really really good, but it's just the start that's letting them down. Um, yeah. It- 
if they can get their race starts even as good as what like Suzuki had last week, who run in line four, have similar bike to Yamaha in comparison to everybody else. Last week, Suzuki's were brilliant. They started so well. If Yamaha can just be as good as that, you know, not to get drowned out from the very off, they're halfway there, essentially, aren't they? Like, yeah, they just need to definitely. bridge that gap a little bit mm. and then just kind of get this front and rear device sorted. And, you know, like you've said, that yeah. it's a very dangerous team to be up against once they've sorted that out. I think everyone knows, Ducati included, the best starters on the grid. The second that Yamaha do sort it out, we really need to sort out our race pace because then they've got as good a race start, if well, not as good, because they'll never be as good as Ducati, but they can be up there with Ducati from the start, but then Ducati will be outweighed by the race pace. Do you know what I mean? Because at the yeah. minute, it's six yes. or one, half a dozen of the other. Ducati can start well, but then lose out on race pace. Yamaha can't start well, but race pace, they've got it, haven't they? So if, if Yamaha kind of weigh evenly on the, the starting and the race pace, Ducati are going to be looking over the shoulder. Yeah, very much so. It's going to be very interesting if they can sort that out. Um, and I think that's about it. Uh, in the, we should be handing over to Matt shortly. Uh, after this, you you should hear Matt. He's going to take you through um, Portimao, uh, through Ride 4. He's going to go through it and talk you through the corners and things like that. So if you want to stick around, that should be quite interesting. Um, but from us, uh, that is it this episode. And now... It's my turn. Welcome to the first edition of Match Track Walk. How will this go? I have no idea. Uh, this is going to be an experiment. So, as you notice, I wasn't on the show today. Um, had some stuff going on around the house. Uh, so, this is why we brought Bono on. This He's a crucial part to the team. And he makes it so that we can still put out an episode when we want to, and if one of us can't show up, like today, the show still goes on. Um, this is going to be interesting, because I know you're wondering, Matt, how are you going to take us around Portimao when you're in Pittsburgh? Well, that's where the magic of video games comes into all this. What you're going to do is go to twitch.tv and search GameStopper0734. Once there, you will find a video called the Portimao Track Walk. And you will watch that video as you listen along to this. So go ahead, go take a minute to go on Twitch and pull that up. I'll wait. Now, you're probably wondering, what kind of bike are we going to take around? Or better yet, why ride four? Well, MotoGP20 doesn't have... Portimao on it. Uh, Portimao was added late last season as an emergency track due to COVID. So the game doesn't have it. And MotoGP 21 doesn't come out for another two weeks. But Ride 4 does. So now you're probably wondering, what bike am I going to use to take you guys around the beautiful port track of Portimao? Is it going to be a uh, nice Yamaha, a cool Triumph, our British listeners? Uh, is it going to be a du fast Ducati? No, it's going to be this KTM. And you're probably wondering, why a KTM of all bikes? 
Well, because it's slow. Being the, It being slow allows me to take you guys around the track. This track to be exact. Autodroma International Algarve. I butchered the ever-loving hell out of that. This is the motorcycle circuit. This is the car circuit, which I don't understand because F1 didn't use this circuit. We're going to do this one. Now we go to the track. It's loading. This is real time, people. I'm not editing this out. How we doing today? Everyone have a good day? Did you finally get that project done that we talked about last time? Oh, no, never mind. So this is Portimao. A windy, undulating track that goes up and down hills, some of which will be iconic for this race. The autopilot turns off, and I take control. Wait until we get to the start-finish line. So here we come up the hill to the front straightaway. We cross the start-finish line, and this is why I was talking about. This bike being so slow allows me to talk about these corners instead of trying to keep up. So here we have a braking zone into turn one, which is a, I'd say about a three in terms of rally. Uh, we have a six in turn two. And then we have a two right coming up as we go uphill to about a three left, continuing uphill. This long straight away. And once we get to the peak of the hill, this is where you'll start seeing most of the bikes in MotoGP slowing down as they take this hairpin left and I go off the track. Uphill again, into a six left, into a five right, continuing uphill to a almost hairpin right, down another straightaway, uphill, and then immediately downhill. This is where you'll see bikes lifting off into a four left. Uphill again, braking uphill into a long sweeping right as we start to come back downhill into a six left, straight away into a hairpin left, into another U-turn shaped right into another straightaway into a very long sweeping right onto the front straightaway again uphill to the plateau And back across the start-finish line for one lap. Now, I'm going to keep going around to give you guys a little bit more information. This downhill braking zone is going to be crucial. A crucial passing zone on this track. You'll have a lot of momentum coming up the front straightaway. And then on into that braking zone. Um, this will be another heavy braking zone. Where a pass or two might be able to be made. 
depending on how bunched up the bikes are. Up here, uphill, you'll pretty much foul in line. The bikes might be getting a little bit of a draft off of each other. This downhill is another crucial passing area to heavy braking zone downhill. We continue uphill. I don't know how much this braking zone, it is another heavy braking zone. I don't know how much it'll be affected. This downhill here, if you watch social media, they'll start posting pictures of the bikes, like, pulling a wheelie almost but it's not so much they're pulling a wheelie the earth falls away from the bike before it can like the weight brings the bike back down downhill here and then back uphill might be an area of interest because this heavy braking zone here will be another crucial passing area As we sweep around here, you'll be wanting to see, you'll be looking to see people setting up overtakes as they come down this. It's pretty much flat out from here. As you come, as you start downhill, just full throttle almost, and then full throttle up this hill, and you'll be looking to see. People lining up passes as they come down this front straightaway. So that's a lap. That's a couple laps around Portimao. Uh, I hope this was interesting. I hope this was enjoyable for you guys. Um, maybe if you enjoy it, we'll try to do it again for more tracks. Uh, like I said, MotoGP 21 will be coming out in a few weeks. Uh, it's now available for pre-order. Uh, they are not a sponsor. But... Uh, yeah, so be sure to go give the social medias a look. If you can follow us on Twitter at Red Sector MotoGP. Uh, you can follow me at Matt Polanski1 everywhere and GameStopper0734 on Twitch. Uh, you can follow Bunno at BunnoGP and Josh at Josh Wilson. So, I hope this was enjoyable. And with that, 